Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, this is NFL legend, two-time Super Bowl champion, Gary Clark. You know what you got to tune into, right? You know what podcast is off the chain. What is going on, Washington Nation? Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to place all of your sports bets, regardless of what sport you like to bet on. I don't know about Zach, but I'm a diehard sports betting guy, and Bet Online has all of the news and information we need to make all of our bets, especially with the season kicking off. Now is the time to play because Washington is starting to play now, too. So all you have to do is go to Bet Online and make your first deposit, and you get a 50% welcome bonus. That's 50% of free money. Guys, I'm sure everyone here would take some free money. If we put something down, you might as well. That's a lot of easy bets. Uh, so head over to Bet Online before Washington kicks off its next game against Baltimore coming up here. We'll see if we can end their uh, weird little 19-game preseason streak, which is pretty unheard of, largest in NFL history. Uh, but, guys, like I said, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. And as always, I'm your host, Josh Taylor. Joining me, Brian Murphy, Fitzpatrick over there. What's going on, Brian? Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. Trying to get the, uh, the beard into regular season mode. We're three weeks away. I can't believe it. I'm ready. I would hate to see that thing in like week one, week one form. That's, that's going to be a sight. But guys, another bet is I would bet that our guest here would make a better deserve than anyone that you know. And no, it's not Michael Simon. It is Zach Selby, staff writer for the Washington football team. What's going on, Zach? It's been going, first of all, yes. I, I, the, my baking is one of the things I will be able to brag on, so absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is, it's, been a, it's been a good weekend. I've enjoyed the last couple of days off, but uh, now we're – Getting right back into the swing of things, and uh, I cannot wait. Uh, the the forty hours is all I needed to like get to recharge my batteries, and get ready to go. He said he he is the best baker in the Washington community, and the proof is literally in the pudding. So, guys, I can't wait to one day try his cooking at the tailgates. I heard he might have a little cookout going. Zach, hopefully, you can slide by, bring us something. Um, we'll talk about the food of FedEx later on in the episode too. I want to get your uh, opinions on some of that. But, guys, we just beat the Bengals 17-13 in the preseason game. And I don't know about y'all, but I could care less about the score. But there's so much things that we could talk about about the game. And first thing first is the first-team offense, which seemed to be one of the hot topics this week. Zach, I really wanted your opinion because it seemed like after the game, a lot of fans on Twitter, you know, you know all of us were always talking about performance regardless of how it is. It sure. seems like a lot of people seem to think that our first-team offense – might be struggling or coming in slow. Do you get that vibe from the team, like with what you see at practice going into the you know week two of preseason, or is it really kind of what you've expected so far? It, I would say, no, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. So let's pump the brakes. Remember, this is preseason game number two here, so no, no games count yet. But from what I've seen in practice, they look pretty efficient. I mean, there's been a lot of times where. Brian Fitzpatrick has led the team down the field in practice and looked really good doing it. I think there's a been there's a couple of different factors that go into that. Remember, they're not game planning for anything yet, so just don't look into like the plays or anything like that. But I think it had a lot to do with you know it's it's the preseason, the first home game. It's 
they're a little bit they're a little bit jittery there. They're still kind of working on figuring out how each other how to play off each other. I mean, you have Adam Humphreys who knows how to play with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but this is the first time they both have been in this offense. So there's something you consider with that. Diamond Brown still a rookie, so he has some really good plays. Don't expect him to make all kinds of crazy plays just yet. Uh, Logan Thomas, you know, saw him have a couple passes that were a little bit too out of his reach. A lot of that goes into, you know, he's Fitzpatrick's going to take a few shots that maybe he wouldn't have taken because he, he was a little bit jumpy, a little bit excited to be out there. And who could blame him, honestly? I mean, there was yeah. thousands of fans out there. It was, oh, it was so nice to see y'all out there. It really was. And I think that's really what it was. I don't really, you know, expect too much. I think if you notice, once they got settled in, they started to move down the field and they started to get them chunk plays in. So hold on, relax. Don't worry about anything just yet. We will see how good the offense can be once they start getting going in, in the regular season. Go ahead, Brian. I would say sticking with the offense, I, I think it is a lot of uh, rhythm and all that. And, uh-huh. you know, like you said, they started to do that a little bit. I was kind of surprised that they only played the first quarter. Um, a, what are your thoughts on that? And B, what does this third preseason game look like with it being the last preseason game and then having two weeks off? What do they do there? Do they come out for a series? What are you thinking there? Well, I think with with the amount of plays that they had, I don't really consider it that much of a that much of a big deal. Because usually, if you look at the way back when it was four preseason games, they would usually have a couple series in the first game. Then they would go to a quarter to a quarter and a half in the first quarter for the second game, and then for that third game, that's more of like with the traditional dress rehearsal, where you'd have them out there for like maybe a half, and then you have give the rest of the backup. So I think that's pretty much on track with with uh, the way it's usually gone. And to your point about the rhythm, you have to remember this too. Fitzpatrick threw for 96 yards in one quarter. So as for every for all like the mistakes and everything that they had, they still moved the ball decently well. And, you know, who knows what would have happened if they were able to stay out there for a little bit longer because the offense does take a little bit of rhythm and connection to to build up. As far as what they're going to be doing with this game, I, I would say it's pretty much like what I said earlier. It's the dresser holes game. And Rivera said as much. He said that it's going to be they're going to they're going to approach it pretty much like as you would a regular game week. They're going to have a game plan. They're going to they're going to prep. They're going to see how these guys adjust to those kind of preparations. It's going to give these guys a little bit of feel for what the regular season is going to be like uh, before the two week before the two week break. So I think that's what they're going to do. I think it's going to be let's let's see what these guys got. Let's see how much they can handle. Let's see put their feet really to the fire here and see who really wants to make the roster. This is their last best shot really to make their case. Yeah. And obviously with the first team offense also missing Curtis Samuel, a huge piece. Yeah. You know, he, he passes his physical. He's kind of getting slowly worked back in. Do you think we'll see any of him against the Ravens? Maybe like a drive or so just to get his feet wet back out there in the field against actual competition before week one. Or do you think Rivera is going to really hold him out until week one? I think it's possible. I think uh, he's probably one of the rare exceptions that if you do put him out there, he's probably going to be out there for like a series because they they wanted to get him into individual drills and things like that. But if you look back earlier, I think it was earlier this week when it was raining so hard, they kept him out off the field just because they didn't want to take any chances with him because they feel pretty strongly about what he can do in the system. He look look what he did for the Panthers back when Rivera and Scott Turner were there. He did very well. He's one of the catalysts of that offense. So he knows the system. He knows what he can do. They feel like he, they can just drop him in there, and he's going to be just fine. That's not the problem. So I could see him playing a series or two, but I wouldn't say much more than that. I think it would more be just to get his feet wet in, in a game atmosphere, see what that's like, and then if they need to, they just shut him down for until the regular season. 
because they wanted they, this is one of their best players. And they, then yeah. he was he was taken brought in to be a number two guy, and he's brought in to be a lot more than that actually. So I don't expect them to to reveal too much. Plus, you guys consider this too because they don't want to reveal too much of the offense right now anyway because they're going probably going to do a lot of really interesting crazy stuff with him. So I, I don't expect them to reveal too much, and I don't expect him to play that much either. I, I want to stick with the receivers. I feel like, you know, after the first preseason game, Steven Sims made a pretty strong case, and it was Antonio Gandy-Golden was gone. Then you, you come over to the, the, the Bengals game, and Antonio Gandy-Golden has, I think, three catches or something like that, has the two-point conversion. How does that shake out? Who is the fifth receiver, fifth, sixth receiver? You know, is DeAndre Carter on this team as a return specialist? How do you see that shaking out on, on the wide receiver room? Well, first of all, I'm going to go ahead and say the longer I've watched the receivers and the longer I've watched camp, I think there is a very strong possibility they keep seven guys, to me. Because the gift is considered. They have a lot of guys they feel really strongly about. They do not want to get rid of any of these guys, but the fact of the matter is they have to. So yeah. they want to keep as many guys as they can. So I think seven is what we're going to go with. In terms of the sixth or seventh guy on the roster, I think Steven Sims has made a really good case that he deserves to be um, on there because if he, I mean, he's done literally everything they've ever asked him to do. They want him to be better at catching things downfield. He's done that. They've moved around on the outside, on the inside, in the slot. They, he's pretty much done whatever they've asked him to do, and he's done really well doing it too. And he's developed a pretty good connection with Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think he's made a really strong case. In terms of the very last guy, I still think Daxmon has a good shot to at least yeah. – make the roster i think i know he could be a practice squad guy sure i'm sure they want to keep him on there because they like what he's able to do but it wouldn't surprise me either if he was able to somehow sneak in as a seventh guy because he he does a lot of really good things he he rarely rarely ever drops the ball ever yeah he's got some i've really been saying he's one of the better hands like compared to steven sims and then I, I thought it was really interesting how they brought him in for punt returns too, both games so mm-hmm. far is that something you've seen him doing a lot in practice too? You know, returning kicks. They're trying to say, hey, you know, if we can add this to his resume, we can keep him on the team. Yeah, he's one of those guys that who who is who's back there in the rotation. It's usually been about the same amount of guys ever since day one. Honestly, it's been Dane Johnson, it's been DeAndre Carter, Stephen Sims, uh, Daxman. They've all been out there, and now you have to add Jared Patterson into that mix as well on kickoff returns. I mean, I I think the seventh guy. It's probably going to be determined on what else can you do for us. Can you? We can't just have you as a guy who catches the ball really well. You gotta, yeah. you gotta be able to contribute, especially if you gotta be able to catch the ball in punt return and kick return situations. The best guy who can do that probably going to be that sixth or seventh guy. So speaking of Jared Patterson being the local guy, so far he's been the MVP of preseason. You love to see it, and it's funny how he did go undrafted after what you see him do at Buffalo in college, breaking records. I mean, just running through mm-hmm. defenses. Yes, it was at Buffalo, you know, part of the action and everything. But still, like, the numbers he put up are video game-type numbers. To see him really come in on 33 touches for 166 yards now and a touchdown, mm-hmm. how much has he impressed you, just his presence, his confidence, you know, being an undrafted free agent, not acting like it at all? I mean, he, to me, every time I see him, he acts like he's a first-round running back. How impressed has he, have you been with him so far? He's a he's a hell of a story, first of all. And he's very inspirational because – how many, I mean, he, and he's a story that you can relate to. It. I mean, how many, how many guys, how many guys can say they've been in a situation where nobody's doubted them? Everyone, everyone said they couldn't really do it. Everyone said they can't really give live up to their own expectations. All of a sudden, he gets an opportunity and he shows himself. I mean, everybody, that's, that's every man's story. 
and it's really cool. But the cool, the, the even better thing about it is that he's not just a cool story now. He's mm-hmm. a legitimate threat to make the roster, and he's backing up the story with some really good play. I think he's averaging about five yards of carry right now. Well, I, I don't know. It's not enough. That's wrong stats. You can, you have to excuse me. I don't have the mm-hmm. top of my head. I don't have nearly a photographic memory yet, but it's pretty it's at least close. five yards a touch. Yeah. He's something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, but even then that's really impressive. And he's able to do some kickoff return stuff. Had a 37 yard kickoff return. Then that was really, that was something. I didn't think expect that at all. <laughs> he, he has been, he's been quick. He's been decisive in his routes. He's been a really good pass catcher. He's done really well at reading his blocks. That's not always something that you see in rookie running backs or even guys that were in their second year because a lot of times you see you see guys in college where the hole is already open to them, whereas whenever you get to the line of scrimmage, the hole opens as you're getting to it. So you kind of have to trust your blockers a little bit more. He does that really well, I think. He's been, he's been really decisive and very quick once he gets into the hole as well. I, I think – He's been a guy who you kind of wonder if he's a practice squad guy whenever he the first week or two of camp. Now it's like, is he the fourth guy on the running back squad? Is he the third guy on the running back squad? We don't really know yet. I think, to me, they kept four running backs last year. I think they keep four again this year. And Bryce – or not Bryce Love. Gosh, no, not Bryce Love. Yeah. Uh, Jared Bryce. There. God bless him anyway. Samaje Pirine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Jerry Patterson, I think, definitely has the 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 the, the skills to be in that fourth running back discussion. Yeah, he's and, he's inspiring in so many different ways, but especially to short guys. I mean, that's a win for short <laughs> guys everywhere. I, I'm I'm all about it. Yeah, he, he reminds me of Reese Jones Drew, and I've heard it so many times. But like, can you imagine, like, as a defense, like you're on a block, and usually you can like see the guy's helmet or something. You can't really see much with Jared Paxton coming through. Like he's just gonna find that hole and then just bust right out and use that acceleration. Um, well, you know, you, you bring up Maurice Jones Drew, and uh, you know, Coach Rivera brings up that he looks he looks a lot like Darren Sproles, and he has that kind of skill set. I would say that Jared looks a little bit thicker than mm-hmm. Darren Sproles is. Maybe yeah. maybe that's just because I haven't seen Darren Sproles in a while, but he looks a little bit bigger, looks a little more muscular, the more like an MJD kind of guy, a little bowling ball out there who can yeah. just roll over anybody. Yeah. If he returns kicks and he like makes a huge impact, I'm buying a jersey because being able to do that, those little legs running that fast, it just amazes me every single time. Uh, but another feel-good story that's come out from another guy who started out undrafted free agent. Um, I want to say signed with the Dolphins, the Bengals, and then the Chiefs. A guy, as you've talked about a lot on Twitter, Tory McTire. Mm. You tweeted out saying that him getting interceptions in practice has just turned into a regular thing. Like every morning yeah. you wake up, you just get that tweet and save it to your drafts. And like, I'm just <laughs> waiting for it to happen. And then you send it out. To me, it's amazing seeing him play. And then I, I see the confidence they have in him putting him up against T Higgins. Yeah. Who's one of the top wide receivers for, you know, the, the young up and coming wide receivers. I'd say he's probably going to be number two option for the Bengals if Jamar Chase starts catching balls, but yeah. Putting McTire out there like that, and he's still locking dudes down. What what have you seen that makes him separate himself from these other guys that where he might be able to actually make the team? Because I think it's a possibility. If you get turnovers and you're locking mm-hmm. dudes down, that's hard to say no to that. He's sticky. He's a sticky guy. I mean, he he knows how to play good man coverage against wide receivers, against the top wide receiver, and that says a lot for an undrafted guy. He's bounced around the league for – a couple of years now. It seems like he's 
trying to find a home in Washington, and he's done a very good job of being in zone, being in man. And you're right. I mean, interceptions are – they've started to come very naturally to him, like I've been saying a lot. And it was a big day. It was a big day for the Tory Matire fans out there uh, who are really, really been rooting for him to make the roster for a while now. And I mean, he was out there with the starters whenever Kendall Fuller and William Jackson were unavailable. <laughs> it was him and Benjamin St. Juice. <laughs> that says a lot how far he's come because he was a he was a guy nobody really knew. No, who was Tory McTire whenever, whenever we when we were going out to Richmond? But now he's he's a guy that every Washington fan knows because of how well he's played. To, there's a lot of people who say he's the fifth corner right now. I mean, he's definitely up there for me. Uh, just because of how well he's playing. I mean, that one play he had against the Patriots where he knocked the ball away in the end zone was really – I think that's really where people started to say, okay, this guy is – he's serious now. He's a guy who we should all be putting in maybe in pencil to to make the roster. Yeah. I'm about to say, it's so hard. It's it's a deep position with the corners. Yeah. It's really hard to be able to knock on that final spot. Go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, I mean, kind of like the wide receivers, how do you see that shaking out? I mean, I think I think we know Fuller, Jackson, St. Juice, um, and probably Moreland, right? I mean, who else are we going? I mean, is is he is he the next guy, or who else do you see shaking out there? He's probably the next guy, I would say. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, there's a lot of guys you can go ahead and, you know, kind of knock out through process of elimination, right? I mean, you like you said, Fuller. St. Juice, Jackson, more. I mean, those are the five guys. And mm-hmm. I think they might keep they might keep one more. Daryl Roberts has done a pretty good job, uh, you know, with the with the options that's available to him. He's a veteran guy. I think he might I think it's he, I, don't, I wouldn't say he's the most experienced guy in terms of just being in the league, but he's definitely up there. And you know, you always you always want to have more experience on on the secondary, especially with how much versatility the secondary is gonna have. I think that the ability of what the safeties can do might also affect a little bit of how many, how many uh, cornerbacks they keep because you have Bob McCain who played corner and done really well at it. You have a guy like, uh, you know, Derek Forrest also has some versatility. You have Cam Curl played, has played some Buffalo nickel. That's, that's gonna, I think that's going to really kind of hinge on how much they play, play off of each other. It wouldn't surprise me if they keep an even amount of maybe five, five cornerbacks, five safety, just because they, all able to do a little bit of the same thing. Yeah, versatility helps. And I think even with Jared Patterson, Gibson being able to be a third down back where you don't have to rely on a Peyton Barber on certain mm-hmm. situations, it says, hey, you know, we have that in Antonio Gibson now who's developing as his running back. Jared Patterson, we have room for you now since we fill in that hole. And I agree with you, having that versatility and being able to just move guys around, like you said, we've seen a lot of different schemes. I'm curious, do you think – I remember going to that Friday night football and saying, all right, it looks like Kendall Fuller, William Jackson, third, um, we're starting and now kind of has switched where Kendall's on the inside and St. Juice is starting. I think St. Juice starts week one. Do you think that he walks out first snap of week one? I think it's going to depend upon how, what kind of scheme they have. Um, because a lot of the times, you know, they're in their base set. I forget, I forget what the number that, that, that Jack Del Rio gave it. It was like a third of the time. Like they're very, they're very rarely. And I know, like I think if they're in more like a nickel or a dime situation, you have St. Juice out there just because he can play on the outside. But I think for now, say Kendall Fuller, and William Jackson look to be the starting guys. Now, if they want to, if they want to bump Fuller in into the slot like they do in nickel and dime situations, 
then you have him on the starting. And, you know, it also depends on what the chart is. Not to get too far into week no. one here. but No, Keenan Allen, like yeah, Keenan Allen from the slot. I'm thinking, you know, Fuller is on him. That's what I was thinking the whole time we're talking about this. Yeah, but, I mean, either way, it's a, that's, that's a – I mean, it was with – with the way that offense is is vertically driven, it's you might want to have more DBs out there. So it's possible he could be out there week about their week one. But I think if maybe you know if we if we go up against a, a team that's more of a run dominant scheme, you might not see him out there. You might yeah to be a starter, you might see him out there. You know, coming in a certain situation. But I think that's also the case for a lot of these DBs right now. You could have like a a day one starting roster, a depth chart out there, but. A lot of these guys are going to be like 1A, 1B sort of thing just because of how much starting experience they have. I, yeah. I was thinking, kind of thinking more about the safeties while we're talking here. You know, Bobby McCain, they signed him. I haven't heard a whole lot in camp, which maybe that's a good thing. But also, mm-hmm. you know, I know guys have got to play the entire game, uh, you know, preseason. Somebody's got to be out there. I thought Jeremy Reeves was out there pretty late for a guy that was a starter mm-hmm. at some point last year. Is his roster spot in jeopardy? It feels like. Ron really loves him, but then again, I saw him out there with the the back back end of the roster at the end of that Cincy game. Yeah, I would say it's I wouldn't say his roster spot is necessarily in jeopardy, is because I do like the way that he plays. He's a very tough physical guy, and those are two top qualities that Ron Rivera loves in all of his players. So I wouldn't say he's I wouldn't say he's expecting to get a, to get the red sticker on his locker just yet. But I think uh, you know. It comes down to the play. It just comes down to the rotation. I think. I think you have like guys like Bob and Bob McCain has done really well. Just so you know, he's made a couple of interceptions yeah, in practice. So it's not like he's a not like he's a no show. Not like he's a jag or just a guy or anything like that. So it just comes down to the talent that you have in the safety position because you have Landon Collins, you have Bob McCain, Cam Curl. I mean, Jamie Reeves. Like, there's a bunch of talented DBs out there. So somebody's got to end up being, you know at the bottom of the rotation it just so happened that it was jeremy reeves gotcha yeah people say that about william jackson the third like i haven't heard his name much that must be that he's playing terrible in practice or like like, sometimes that's that's a good thing you don't want your name picked on a lot when you're a db yeah and like with the style that he plays with being that press corner uptight like he's just gonna make big physical plays you know it's just completely different than how kendall fuller plays so like i just thought i'm glad you brought that up because so many people have been saying that on twitter too like oh He's probably going to be one of those guys we regret signing like already. I'm like, no, just wait until the game starts playing. He's going to make huge plays. I think he's going to end up being the fan favorite this year. Um, I mean, look, another, at, look, it's okay. August. It's August 22nd at 8:26 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We play <laughs> September 12th at 1 p.m. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time. Long let's, time. Let, let's just relax on on any kind of like busts or anything yet the man the, we haven't even played a game yet so it's, it's been a long off season zach you know how this goes <laughs> but yes. let's play the players in the name it's it's we're ready for week one well and i, I think week. also you know sticking with the safety uh, spot there i think josh and i talked about how landon collins was starting to come along i feel like right before he got injured and you know it's been a long time since we saw him out there and so people were ready to write him off and then of course he makes a big play in the preseason game i'm, I'm just kind of reiterating the fact that it, you can't jump to conclusions too fast because then you kind of look silly when you when you do. Yeah, back to yeah, back players of the year. looked really great too. Landon's looked real like a lot more solid than a lot of people have thought coming off an Achilles injury because that's that's almost like a, not necessarily a death sentence, but it's like a it, you're you're down for a while, but he's managed to somehow really recover and play beyond expectations. 
Absolutely. Love to see it. As you can see, this flag right here. Huge Landon Collins fan. He's been yeah. my number one guy, even since the draft, like when the Giants got him, that was like the worst night of my life. I was like, no, like it could have been worse if he went to Dallas, but still the Giants. I'm like, we need to get him. And sure enough, we did. Uh, but one of the things that really bothered us week one, that fan had fans going nuts and then seemed to be better week two. I'm sure you can guess Dustin Hopkins in the kicking situation. He goes three for three. You know, they're not the longest yeah. ones. It was a 231 to the 34, I believe. Um, so, I, you know, Ron reiterated, we're not bringing anyone in. This is our guy. Like, it's, you know, everything's just out of sync. It's the timing. It's the new snapper with Cheeseman and everything. Have you seen improvements in practice? And, you know, with what Ron's been telling you, you know, after practice and everything in his, in his presses, do you feel like we're just sticking through Hopkins because he can make the big kicks and he's shown that he can make the big kicks? And how do you really feel about that situation after, you know, talking to Ron? I think it's fine. I think there's really not that much. I wouldn't say there's nothing to see there, but I would say that it's, it's you know, it's the preseason. Everybody's going to overreact to what they see because they think, you know, it's a, it's a game, so that must mean that if, they, if they're bad in the preseason or, like, they're slipping up in the preseason, that means they're going to slip up for the rest of the year. That's not necessarily true because, look, I mean, how long have how long has Cheeseman, Way, and, and Hawkins worked together now? Four months? If that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, I mean, look, do we expect it to be perfect right now? No. But at the same time, these guys are still getting to know each other. Like, yes, they played a little bit in OTAs. They played a little bit in OTAs. And then they, you know, they went they went off and enjoyed a little bit of a summer vacation. And they came back and they're back to practicing. They haven't been practicing very long together. So the, the, the system is it's going to come along. It's not like there's going to be any hiccups or anything like that. It's, it's going to be a process. And look, Cheeseman's a rookie. He's, 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 when he was in his first NFL game two weeks ago. That's, that's a pretty stressful situation. And if what I see is a guy who, you know, he's, he's, he's had his issues, but he's also succeeded well enough now that he's helped Hawkins make those three kicks. And look, Hawkins is a 83.9% kicker for his entire career. It's very uncharacteristic, even last year, for him to kind of slip up that way. So they've he's been had this, he's had the same kind of strategy ever since they've they met each other, him and Rivera. Just let him kick it out, see where it goes. Because you don't want to bring somebody else in there right now. Because that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's another that's just more oh, competition. You know, like this late in camp, like just. Yeah. Let's just trust the guy who's been your reliable kicker more often than not. And that the, the last game was the reason why that you, you show trust in people like that. Yeah. What, people what, treat kickers like quarterbacks. They're like, oh, just keep them until he starts sucking, and then we'll look for our next yeah. guy. Like, yeah, it's not that easy. Greener. No. Yeah, go ahead. No. I was going to say another thing that, that kind of concerns me. I'm not, gonna, I'm not freaking out about it. But Chase Young and Montez Sweat are as advertised. We've seen that yep. through – two preseason games but what kind of worries me is where's the depth where what do they see that made them think they didn't need Brian Kerrigan back this year because I have not seen a whole lot I've heard Casey Tuhill's name more than I've seen him you know we uh -huh. saw WBK make a player two. you know who who is that depth path pass rusher after the two studs uh starters well, this is actually one of my more favorite discussions to talk about with fans. Uh, I mean, for for what it's worth, William Bradley King did have a strip sack last week, so yeah. let's, let's let's throw that out there. But I mean, I think I think William Bradley King and Shaka Tony are fine. I think they're going to be okay. These are guys they thought were going to play immediately. 
um, whenever they drafted him in the seventh round, which says a lot about their seventh round picks. Um, James with Williams also has really come along. He's yeah. he looks like he's going to be this guy slated to be their third edge rusher, and he made a reception in practice a couple weeks ago too. This type of tip pass because they shows how athletic he is. Now it's also a seventh round pick. So I mean, even if they even if Shaka Tony and William Bradley King don't put up the crazy kind of numbers you need right now, William Bradley King or not, uh, James Williams shows you that if you give these guys time, they're going to develop into and. To be fair, they are in kind of like a weird situation. You're, you're, everyone's thinking they're going to replace Ryan Kerrigan, which you can't replace one right. of the best right. sack, uh, uh, edge rushers in NFL history. I mean, my God. Um, but you also have to consider that sometimes you don't really need someone who's going to make, you know, six, seven sacks in a season. Sometimes you need a guy who's just make four or five. Sometimes you need like a shock and Tony. He's just going to come in there and put a little bit extra pressure on this. Sometimes you need like a guy like a William Bradley King who's going to make you know, that one or two strip sacks every, you know, three or four games, that's the kind of depth that you really – that kind of depth, just because you see it, just you don't see the, the sack number, doesn't necessarily mean they they aren't produced. Kind of like with Chase Young last year. We all know that he's one of the best edge rushers in the league right now, but he didn't. He only had seven and a half sacks. Well, so what? Pressures really are how you dictate the progress of a defensive end more so than anything else. So don't, let, no, don't necessarily at the numbers. Just look at how they're able to contribute, what kind of pressure they're able to bring, if they can bring it. If they're the total package, I think a little bit. They can do little things well instead of one thing really well. That's what you want to see out of a seventh round rookie right now. You've eased like, my fears. I'm good to go. <laughs> like I said, with Chase Young taken, if he gets double teamed, that opens the door for someone else to get those sacks. And I felt like they're pretty evenly mm-hmm. spread out. And then, of course, Matt Ioannidis is coming back, too. Um, but I agree with you. I like Shaka Tony and I like uh, William Bradley King. I feel like those are both upgrades from what we have with Ryan Anderson. Hates yep. me to say that, being an Alabama guy. But, you know, I, I saw both of them at the Senior Bowl and both just quick guys. You know, even mm-hmm. Smith Williams had one of the fastest 40 times for edge guy when he was at NC State. Um, so I feel like we're fine. We're building up that, that depth like we have on the inside with so many guys. So before let's go, Zach, I have to ask you, what is the one thing you're writing down on your notes that you really want to look for in this last Baltimore game? The one last thing, hmm, I would have to say it's going to be Jamin Davis's development. See mm-hmm. how he's doing things. Because the first game, he got, he got a little bit of flack, I guess you could say, for you know maybe what he did or did not do by, fan, by fans. The next game had one of the best like tackling grades by PFF. After yep. I think it's like a forty point uh, increase or something like that, and that's because he watches film, he prepares, he knows how to prepare like a pro. Let's see how much that uptrend goes. Because if you look at what we had in the small sample size, we see the base, we see the foundation. He took that to another level against the Bengals. Now we're gonna see what he does against the Ravens, and we're, we're depending on where he's at after that, then we can say how good we feel about him being the starting middle linebacker for Week One because. Look, this is a lot of information thrown at. He's a very smart, intelligent guy, but it's still a lot of information thrown at him. And he's taking it very, very well. But again, it's a lot of people just we can't. As even though all first round picks are expected to play immediately, not everyone is Chase Young. <laughs> not everyone is the guy who's going to just change, you know, the franchise the way we look at it. Sometimes you need. Sometimes guys are just they're really good. They're really talented, but they're not finished products yet. They're just rookies. They're rookies who have a lot of talent and potential that are going to grow eventually. And that's what Jamie Davis is. He has a lot of talent. He's going to make a lot of plays this year. Is he going to make some mistakes? Well, 
hell yeah, he's going to make some mistakes. But the good thing about him, and this is why I have no reservations about him being started middle linebacker, is he's going to take his mistakes. He's going to have a short memory. He's going to learn from them. And as his linebacker coach said, mistakes are fertilizer. He's going to use it. He's going to grow. It's going to be a nice little tall, developed tree into <laughs> going to hopefully be, you know, multiple Pro Bowl, se- Pro Bowl career, maybe a whole couple all pro seasons in there. But let's see how he does in the Ravens game. Let's see how, how he's able to use that experience and turn it into more covered experience, more talent in the run game, more, able to, more uh, playing faster to fit his, fit his gaps. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, middle linebacker is probably the hardest position on defense because you're calling plays, you're making adjustments, you're worrying about the run game, you're in coverage. Like you are the captain of the whole field on defense, essentially. And he's been calling plays in practice, right? Like he's a play caller. Yeah, yeah. And another thing yeah. to consider is they didn't have to put him in this situation. They didn't have like they have guys who have played middle linebacker before. They've had Cole Holcomb. They have John Bostic. Yeah. They have guys who they feel confidently in calling the plays on the defense, but they're giving him this chance because they feel like he can do it. And that alone should give you – look, linebackers and Jack Del Rio, Ron Rivera, they feel like this guy can call the defense in his rookie year. So that's huge. That's, 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 that's not nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Ron said it. He was like, uh, you know, I'm not comparing him to Luke Keekley, but he said like we're gonna do what we did with him. We're gonna give him everything, and yeah. and because we think he can handle it, and that's a huge amount of praise. And hopefully, you're you're right that he takes it and runs with it. And just based on what we know about him, I think he absolutely will. Yep, our Trust Fred Ron. Warner is on the way. Trust Ron. It's it's not yeah. led us astray this far. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, Zach, we appreciate you coming on. Let everyone know. I'm sure everyone follows you already, but if they don't, tell everyone where they can follow you and get all your great food takes. Yeah, you can go follow me on Twitter at Zach Selby WFT. That is where you can find all the Washington football content you can ever hope to get and a couple of baking pictures along the way. I need to start sending out some recipes because I know a lot of people have started asking for them. So maybe I should like have some food videos too. I'm not on TikTok, but I'm oh, gosh, I might have to. It was it's, Pete. Yeah, Pete. it's the it's old man that is, that is stopping it, but I might just have to relent. Um, but you can find more more uh, food pictures on Instagram. It's just at Zach Selby. Um, I don't really post on Instagram that much, but we're, but whatever's there, it's tasty stuff. So <laughs> it all looks good. So Zach said it. His uh, his fall cookbook is on the way. It's publishing now. So guys, get ready for that and all the great recipes. But Zach, like I said, appreciate you coming on. And guys, we'll see y'all later on this week for a bonus podcast. Don't forget, we're trying to break the streak against the Ravens. Is it going to happen, Zach? Yes. You know what? It's preseason week three. Yeah, let's say it. Go for it. Breaking the streak. Let's go. Battle, battle of the Beltway. We'll see y'all later on this week. Thanks, Appreciate Zach. it. See you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.